Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. I am Chris Tidball, Executive Claims Consultant with Second Look, where we routinely find our insurance clients millions of dollars. On our podcast, we showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. We believe that all of our guests have a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we will reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Welcome to Insurance Claims Innovation. Today we have Mike Fiato, Chief Claims Officer for Liberty Mutual Insurance. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Chris. Nice to see you. You, you too. So, hey, before we get started, how about you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and kind of your journey? You know, how did you get into the claims space? Sure. So uh, I had a little bit of an unorthodox route. I went to graduate school uh, in the late 80s into the early 90s. And when I graduated, there weren't a lot of jobs. And this was back in the newspaper days where you circled ads. So <laughs> yep. I saw an ad for an insurance adjuster. I needed a car and it came with a company car. So I applied uh, and actually ultimately got uh, a job. I started the day after I graduated. Uh, and that was at Progressive in 1991 to date myself. So uh, uh, I spent 26 years at Progressive doing a whole bunch of different things from uh, field adjuster to casualty rep to uh, operations leader to home office. I actually did a stint uh, leading uh, the uh, HR function for the claims organization and then uh, ended up as a uh, general manager there uh, responsible for the 20 states in the middle part of the country. And the opportunity arose to come to Liberty as the chief claims officer. Uh, and I uh, uh, jumped at that, uh, given the um, increase in scope and potential to have a bigger impact on an organization, but also uh, to do a lot more in terms of um, multiple coverages and just continue my learning journey uh, as a claims professional. Wow, that's a that's a great story. I think we have one thing in common there, and that's that company car. That's how yeah. I ended up at Progressive yeah. as well. Um, so, you know, looking at the Liberty organization, I mean, you clearly have one of the most effective claims organizations in the industry. How have you succeeded in tying together the people aspect with processes and technology? I think it's really a. I think it's it's about being deliberate, right? I think I think you have to put a very specific lens on how you want to accomplish things because there's different ways to do things. You can, you can be very process focused without being people focused. You can be very people focused without being process focused, but I think you're always going to build a gap when you do it that way. One creates a scenario where it's, it's hard to, if you're people focused without process, you're probably not going to have much in the way of standards. And if you're process focused without, that people view, you're going to do it on the backs of your people. Uh, and both of those things leave your customer uh, in a bad spot, right? So I do think I do think it's about building really good internal roles and responsibilities about how people are going to work together to achieve outcomes. And I'm not talking about the claims professional doing the work. I'm talking about the process professional and right the analytics professional and folks who can do process mapping and, and looking at, um, and you know, your senior operations leaders and getting people in a room 
to ensure that you really have a holistic view of outcomes. And we have an experience group uh, at Liberty that, that focuses on the customer. And so making sure they're always in the room advocating uh, for the customer, because while the customer is the most important thing to us, sometimes you can get blinders on in the way you want to do things. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great approach. Um, and I mean, you know, clearly it's working for your organization and and, you know, as the results show. So when you think about the adjusters, right, the adjusters are in, in these roles or the people aspect of your organization. What do you think the greatest challenges facing adjusters is today? Wow, that's a great question. I think there's a couple of things. I think one is uh, the last two and a half years have really, it, it, at least in my view, changed consumer sentiment. Um, there's a, there's a, a, a large shift in the way consumers view service um, and interacting with people. Uh, I think expectations have changed. I think folks, I think there's just more stress everywhere. Yeah. And I think that manifests itself in stressful situations like having a, a loss. Uh, and so I think the bar gets raised for our claims professionals in that respect. I think the other big challenge is you and I have been at this quite a while. Um, and, you know, we, we saw decades, right, where very little happened in terms of technological change in the way we did our jobs like right. you know the big change i think you know the big change in the 90s was hey we're going to use a computer system <laughs> the yeah. right estimates and that was the only thing that happened nothing else happened right right um and then it was hey we we, we have there's some tools out there to manage general and special damages on the injury side and then that really didn't change much after it came in from from its kind of base model beyond just enhancements and now if you look across the industry the cycle of technological change is uh, at times mind-boggling in terms of if you're the claims person, uh, it creates and your and your company is is tech-oriented and right. really wants to be out in front. Your capacity for change has to be massive, or you're gonna you're really gonna struggle. Right, and it's it's easy to get distracted in these roles because a hundred things come at you besides the things right. that your company does to you. Right, and okay. this isn't a this isn't a statement about my company. It's a statement about all companies, probably in the top twenty, that have the uh, capability of implementing a lot of technical change. Yeah, and it does. It comes fast and furious, right? I mean, if you think if you think back to it, I mean, we we went to you know, claim school, we had a procedure manual, we, we got our car and phone and eventually a computer system. And, and you're right, I mean, things really didn't change for probably, you know, 10, 15 years substantially. And, and you're right now with, with the insure techs that are out there, I mean, it's everybody's got the newest, greatest thing. And, and honestly, some of it is really good. And it's, it's hard if you have the budget to pass it up, right? I want to make my adjusters better and faster and more efficient and get checks to consumers quicker and, you know, all that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's tough, right? I mean, you've got a, you know, 20, 25,000 person organization that all have to really be on board with change. And that can be tough. Think about this. I have to pay a customer. Right. If if I if I owe them uh, indemnification for a loss, I have to I have to pay them. Right. 
if I have to communicate with customers, right? So just take those two things. It used to be the only way I communicated. Well, I communicated with a customer in two ways. I went to see them, which we've really, most companies don't do a lot of anymore unless you're out in the field to, you know, write an appraisal or an estimate. So I talk to most customers on the phone. That's what I was doing. Now I add text to that. So now I have to be good at two things versus good at one thing. And there are different right. kinds of communication. I used to just cut checks or drafts, right? Go on my computer system, key that in, whatever the approval process was. Now I have to offer a customer five different ways to pay them to meet their expectations because that's what happens not only in insurance, but in all industries, you right. know, like the way you can make a payment or the way you pay people. So if you think about just the base level of doing these roles is more complicated but because it requires you to know how to do the same thing in multiple ways versus the one way you used to do it. And I know right. that sounds little, but think about being a new claims professional, no experience in the industry, you get hired, you go to training, and then you got to go out and execute on all this stuff. It's right. really hard. It's, it's, it is a, I think, you know, I love what I do. I've done it for a long time. I, I'm, I'm thrilled with the, the, the path that my career took me on, but I'll tell you, uh, I remember how hard it was to get my legs under me as an adjuster. I, it's, it's harder today. It's not easier. Technology right. has not made it easier in that respect. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's, it's not only the adjusters that are facing challenges, but it, it's the carriers as well, right? So, what, you know, if we move away from, you know, what are the greatest challenges facing adjusters, you know, what do you think are the greatest challenges facing insurance carriers today? I think the way we have traditionally um, thought about just um, things like, just take two basic functions, frequency and severity. Well, think about severity in the auto business in the last two and a half years. Right. And, and think about frequency. We're, we, are, we are encountering things as an industry that we don't have history with, right? And every company's got, you know, just... Folks who are way smarter than me and you, and yes, I can speak to that, um, uh, that, uh, that are really, really good at math, right? And really good at looking at history. And they don't have answers to this. They can guess, but they don't, they can't point to this historical set of data that gives them confidence. Then add in kind of unprecedented uh inflation and some other you know weirdness in the economy and supply chain issues sure. and like how do you take all this stuff and it's not just auto by the way it's property which which extends to commercial property right because it's materials and then you have a geopolitical dynamic where we really are um, a world economy because we need things from china and the ukraine and other places and russia that were being supplied that might make a component and that piece isn't available. And so now you got to look at alternatives. And I don't know how as a, uh, as an industry, this all plays out, but 
it's a brave new world in terms of if you're right and you're first, you get competitive advantage, right? right? And so I think companies who aren't trying to figure out how to be right and how to be first uh, are going to miss out. Yeah. And sometimes it's a leap of faith, right? I mean, we, we can guess all day long. And, and to your point, yeah, there's a lot of people smarter than us. We're all making the guesses and some people are going to guess right. Some people are going to guess wrong. And, you know, getting that competitive advantage is, is, you know, just a huge piece of how you pick up more market share, how you grow your business, how you become more profitable. <clears throat> so as technology advances, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes to how we do business, right? So thinking beyond, you know, the last couple of years, COVID, the supply chain issues, I mean, that stuff's going to hamstring us for the next couple of years, probably. But what do you think the insurance claims industry, claims organizations, what are they going to look like in the next five to 10 years? I think, I think the way the way we work will actually start to change. And I think the way we, you know, the way we work, we, we still do what 80, 90% of everything that we did 30 years ago, right? But I think that's gonna change. I think, I think that there's gonna be um, more advances, particularly in uh, the application of AI around things like gathering data, so telematics is one thing we talk a lot about it, but what is what is telematics really? It's aggregation of data. Right. And if you and, and so and then it's not the data itself, it's what you can conclu conclude for the, from the data and then provide that to a claims professional, right? So I think I think about things like FNOL, right? The more data you can obtain right up front and drive that into the kind of decision-making dynamic for claims professional. Uh, it's gonna change what capacity looks like for a claims rep, it's gonna change the content of what they do. You know, we've, <laughs> we started as hunter-gatherers. Right. As claims people, right? You spent like 70% of your time collecting stuff and then a small portion of your time assimilating that and then concluding, right? And then communicating what you what you determined. Um, I think a lot of that goes away and maybe 10 or 20% of your time is spent doing that. So as a result, what happens is a claims professional, what you actually work on, all the stuff you work on or the majority of it is harder. It's more complex. It's more critical thinking and problem solving. And so that type of job might require a different profile of claims professional, right? If, if sure. the job, just because um, it's different work, right? And so I think a lot of that does go away. I think the way we're, the way we're uh, going to have to make decisions will change a bit in a good way. And then I think, the communication side of this becomes a bigger piece. I actually would argue that all the AI stuff actually makes your customer communication capabilities and your ability to provide excellent customer service even more important because claims are going to take a lot less time. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, that. so, and so, you know, you and I worked at a place where speed 
was the crown jewel right. in a non-standard environment, right? And we also know that when you put speed into an environment where it's low frequency of event, so it feels like high severity regardless, it's hard to get people to trust you right away. And so you have to get really good at that, right? You have to get really good at establishing rapport. And that's gonna, that dynamic will probably present itself in an environment where it's not non-standard, where it's all levels of risk. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we, we see, you know, we see the compression of time, right? I mean, back in the day, it was the old, you know, 24 hours, get out there, meet people, all that. But, you know, things are becoming instantaneous, right? And, you know, cars are developing the, the ability to communicate themselves. And, you know, five, 10 years, you're going to know right at the, literally, when the accident happens, for example, that the accident happened, that this is the insurance company. And, and to your point, all of the stuff that we used to hunt and gather is, is going to be captured already by a bot somewhere, for example. But you still have to have that component of the critical thinking to assess the damages and assess the liability. And, you know, I don't know that you ever get to a point where that's fully automated. I think, you know, there's so many variables that come into that. Um, and with our with our legal system, you know, the way it is, I don't know that that's ever going to even be feasible. So it does seem that we're, we're going to have a lot of changes. They're going to benefit the, the consumer, I believe. I mean, that's that's what I really think is going to happen. Um, and I, to your point, I think the model for, you know, the personality traits of who is the adjuster probably do change, right? I mean, it used to be the investigative mind. I mean, we would take those tests and, you know, figure out who's going to be a good gatherer of, of evidence. And now it's really, how do you take the, the data that you're being given and what do you do with it? And all of the different tools and technology that are out there, you've got to be super tech savvy. Um, and that, that is a little bit different than I think, you know, what, what, you know, we came into the industry under. Yeah, I do think too, you, you mentioned customer communication again. I do think there are, some claims that lend themselves to a lack of, uh, of, you know, voice to voice customer communication. Like we say, Oh, what, right. you know, like how do you fast path a claim or straight through processing? And I think you actually have to think about it like a bank transaction. If yeah. the claim itself is super linear, right? Like I backed into a poll, no damage to the poll. Um, I'm given the opportunity to go to a network shop or my own shop, or I, you know, I, I submit photos, I get an estimate back, I'm not going to repair my car, because the damage is minor, but it's above my deductible, right. okay, we may need to, there's, that's a, that may lend itself to not having a conversation with the customer, particularly if the customer has any, you know, just that their personality lends itself to, no, I'm good, right, right, I think, when a claim becomes non-linear, when there's a lot of different people to talk to, when it doesn't look like, when it doesn't map to a straight line, is when you have to talk to customers. And most claims don't map to a straight line. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. Um, so I think you know there's there's a lot to look forward to. I, I think that you know over the next five to ten years we're going to see you know a tremendous amount of change. If anything, it's probably going to you know grow exponentially even compared to what we're seeing today i mean there's there's going to be tools and technology that come about that we're scratching our head like 
wow, why didn't we come up with that? But, you know, that's that's really how technology moves forward. Yeah, and I think I, I think you have to couple those tools and technology with the way people want to work today. Right. But I think the sentiment of um, I can get you to come to the office five days a week or I'm, you know, I only hire in these eight geographies within a 20 mile radius because that's where my brick and mortar is. Right. It just doesn't work anymore. You know, no. it may work for some companies. I don't, I, I haven't talked to many people that it works great for. I think that's one of the big sentiments that's also changed that people, uh, prospective employees, current employees are looking at their uh, personal situation and want more control. Yeah, yeah. If, if anything, you know, if you think back over the last couple of years, you know, if anything we learned from COVID, it's that, look, we can do our jobs remotely. And, and companies continue to get great results, sometimes better results. Um, you know, I'm actually exploring something that's big over in Europe right now, but it's, it's the four-day work week. And they, they are establishing that in, in four days and 32 hours of work in the right environment, you can actually produce more than the traditional five-day, 40-hour work week. So, you know, it's, it's lending itself to doing things differently. And again, you know, does something like that create a competitive advantage in the marketplace? Chris, you and I have been experimenting with four-day work weeks for, <laughs> yeah. for as long as we've been doing this, right? We raised our hand because we wanted it, and yeah. although it was 40 hours. And then we, you know, as, as leaders, we tried to figure out logistically how to make it work. I think the hard thing in claims, fuel claims, right? Yeah. Um, and it may be different on, on, a, uh, on the um, business partner side, right? Where you're doing more, where you're doing a piece or a, a support function of, right. of claims is customers don't only want help four days a week. And Correct. I think, and it, and customers want to talk to their claims professional, right? And it, it becomes logistically very noisy and leaving a voicemail that says, here are my hours. Yeah. Um, as a consumer, I don't care about that. As a consumer, I want help when I want help, right? right? And I and I expect to have that help Monday through Friday. And is it fair? Probably not, but it is right now what the expectation is. And, it, and, and I think there's probably no individual company that will change that. Um, but there are some roles that lend themselves to, can you be super productive? Um, can you accomplish in 32 hours what you can in 40? I've never personally been that efficient, right? Like I just, uh, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. I've always had to do a little <laughs> extra just to keep up. So, but that's, and, and, you know, there's people like me and then there's people who can, who are super efficient and, and there should be a place for everybody in that yeah. respect, right? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Well, Mike, this has been a great discussion. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, um, head on over to secondlook.net and hit the podcast button. Thanks, Chris. Great to be here. It's good to see you. Yep, you too. listening to Insurance Claims Innovation. Are you interested in being a guest on our show? We would love to have you. Visit us at 
go.secondlook.net slash podcast dash guest. Please share Insurance Claims Innovation with others on social media and provide rave reviews about our guests. The goal of Insurance Claims Innovation is to showcase others in the insurance claims arena who are using cutting-edge technology to gain a competitive advantage. Follow us at Insurance Claims Innovation and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Second Look Inc., Interested in learning more? Stop by our website at www.secondlook.net. Again, thank you for joining us today. My name is Chris Tidball, and I hope you found this to be time well spent.